breaking up with someone is never enjoyable. Divorcing someone, never enjoyable. But what can you expect from a narcissist after a breakup, after a divorce? That's what we're talking about today, queenbeing.com. This is a multi-feature episode where we will be talking about a number of different phases of the narcissistic discard or the breakup or the divorce from a narcissist. So we're going to talk about what the difference is between a narcissistic discard and a normal breakup. And we're going to talk about what narcissists will do to get you back after the discard and how you need to prevent that, as well as what you should do after the narcissist discards you. But we're starting today with what the narcissist will do, what you can expect from the narcissist after the discard. So let's get going. My name is Angie Atkinson and on this podcast, I offer free coaching to help you discover, understand, and overcome narcissistic abuse in toxic relationships. I like to call it toxic relationship rehab. So if that sounds good to you, hit that subscribe button and let's just get going. When you go through a breakup or a divorce of any type with any person, it's devastating. There are lots of different reasons it can happen. But when we're talking about a narcissist, it's a whole other thing. Standard breakup advice, standard divorce tips. They don't work with narcissists because narcissists are not standard people. So obviously when a normal relationship ends, the parties go their separate ways. They may have a little fight here and there, but they figure out how to move on and various types of advice can help them. Counselors, therapists, these things, they can get through it. It's not easy for anybody. But when we're talking about dealing with a narcissist, it's a whole other ball of wax. Because with a narcissist, a lot of times you think everything's fine and then boom, it's over. With a narcissist, sometimes you won't even know that you broke up until after the fact. And then of course there are those narcissists who spend their entire relationships telling you they're going to leave you even if it takes them 30 years to do it, right? A relationship with a narcissist, everything's always about the narcissist, isn't it? It's confusing, it's exhausting, and when you finally get it together and you get the hell out of there, or unfortunately they leave you, either way, you start feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm finally going to be able to take the steps I need to really get my life in order and make it what I want it to be, right? But no, narcissists don't allow that to happen. Not very easily anyway. So look, I realize this is kind of an exciting or upsetting time depending on whether you left or they left you. But it's also a dangerous time because while you can certainly begin your life over again and really get things to become what you want them to be, it's also really important to be aware and to prepare for the things that might be coming down the road when you break up with or divorce a narcissist. Like I said, all breakups are hard, all divorces suck, but this kind, I really think, is the hardest because in addition to the normal ups and downs of divorce or breakups, you're dealing with an emotional manipulator. You're dealing with someone who absolutely has no qualms about breaking your heart, stomping on your feelings again and again and again, and shocking you almost every time. But here's the good news, my friend. If you take the time to understand how all that works, understand the patterns, understand the behaviors, and know what to expect, you might get through it a little easier, and that's what this video is about today. So let's just dig right in, shall we? What are the things that narcissists do after breakups? Number one, they hoover. Yeah, that's right. Narcissists love to suck you back in, and you're thinking, well, they don't even want me. They made it real clear to me, or they're already doing this or that or the other. doesn't matter. They're going to suck you back in. Even if they've moved on, they've gotten remarried, or they're dating a new person now, they will still hoover you for years if you allow them to. So they're going to do whatever they can to pull you back into their drama and if you have been previously romantically involved with them, back into their bed. Oh yeah, it happens. Number two, you're going to have to worry about obsessing. Now this is going to happen 
on your end, of course, you're going to obsess about what could I have done better? What can I change? What could I do better next time? How do I watch for the red flags? And da 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 da. You're going to, you're going to go through that. But the narcissist is going to obsess about you. What? Yeah, that's what's going to happen usually right before the Hoover phase or right before the smear campaign. See? So what's going to happen, and that's number three actually, the smear campaign, we'll get to that. What's going to happen is the narcissist is going to tell a lot of stories to try to get your, to try to get sympathy and attention and often in order to bring in a new supply, whether it's another romantic partner or it's a parent or it's a friend or it's someone else, they're going to need someone else to get their supply from now that they've left you or you've left them. That's why number three, they run the smear campaign. So my advice here is don't sit around and focus too long on analyzing the narcissist's behavior. Don't focus too long on letting the narcissist be connected to you after the breakup because the more access you give them, the less likely they are to go away and move on. So number three, smear campaigns. This is where they walk around and they tell everybody they know what a horrible person you are and how you hurt them and, and often they project their own bad behaviors onto you. So if they were cheating, they tell everybody you were cheating. If they were beating the crap out of you every day, they tell everybody you were beating the crap out of them every day. And this goes on and on. People start to believe the narcissist and pretty soon you know who your real friends are because your real friends would never believe those things about you. But strangers and people who are acquaintances and sometimes people you thought were your friends will believe the narcissist and take the narcissist's side. And that, my friend, is rough stuff. But it happens. And I guess on the positive side, at least you know who your real friends are. Number four kind of goes along with the smear campaign. And it's that narcissists don't go quietly, right? So they're going to smear campaign you. And then they're going to tell everybody, everybody who will listen. And they're going to gameplay you, okay? They're going to do everything they can to really impact your life in a negative way most of the time. They will abuse you to the point where your psychological wounds become increasingly serious. It's common and, and sometimes it's, it's worse. Sometimes they go so far as to physically abuse you where they didn't before. So be aware of this and keep yourself safe. Don't be afraid to call the police if, if they show up at your house in the middle of the night or something. This brings me to number five. Narcissists are all about winning okay they don't care if your kids are negatively affected they don't care if they lose everything in the process they just want to win the relationship they need to be validated they need to be proven right they'll fight you for custody even if they don't want the kids they will try to keep the house even if they know they don't want the house they're just going to move out of it or they're going to sell it the truth of what really happened between the two of you will only come out of your mouth if it comes out of anyone's because the narcissist cannot ever even admit the truth to him or herself. You have to remember, narcissists, they have no empathy, so they don't care how they're making you feel. And above all, they just want to win. And as always, they don't give a crap about the consequences for their own behavior because they don't accept responsibility. Narcissists are going to do their very best to make you play the game with them. This brings me to number six. Narcissists want to keep playing the game and they're going to do everything they can to suck you into it. So it does not matter how the breakup happened. It doesn't matter where the divorce came from. It doesn't matter if they literally left you for another person or if you literally walked in on them having sex with your best friend on your bed in your house. It doesn't matter because they will be like, I'm the victim. They will walk around telling everyone, like I said in number two, smear camp, or number three, smear campaigning, that's how they roll. They will say things to you like, why are you doing this to me? And inevitably, you will be the one wearing the big red blame sticker. 
of course, anytime you try to address any issues, you think to yourself, okay, well, maybe we can work it out. Maybe they understand now. You know, you, tr you try to address those issues and the narcissist inevitably will flip it all back around, do the narcissistic flip on you, and within moments or seconds of that conversation, as soon as they begin to feel uncomfortable, they start pointing out things that are wrong with you. You become the problem and then they have you, they, they, they say things to you like, well, I'll do that if you promise that you will never ever again, you know, leave trash in the kitchen or whatever. They start picking at tiny things and pulling you apart and looking for ways to make it about them be, being the victim and not you. And their flying monkeys sometimes, especially those willing flying monkeys, will come in with them on this and play this game. This is seen a lot of times with a narcissistic mother. When a narcissistic mother has a golden child and the golden child gets married and is a narcissist, this this type of dynamic is often seen with the two of them ganging up on the victim or the supply during the divorce. So anybody having any experience with that? Let me know in the comments below. I'm thinking of one particular person right now who's one of our well, was one of our spam members. I think she's still around the channel here, and um, I talked to her often, off and on. And she was telling me, basically, she's in hell, and her mother-in-law is essentially allowing the narcissist. She, the mother-in-law is enabling the narcissist and actively helping to abuse this woman and her daughter. It's messed up, but it happens. So if you have experience with that, let us know in the comments below and let us know how you dealt with it. But listen, no matter what happens, don't let yourself get wrapped up in that crap again because once they get you back in, they will hold on so tight you won't even know what to do with yourself. If you get out of a narcissistic relationship, stay out if at all possible. Number seven, narcissists do their very best to make the divorce process or the breakup process as long and painful as possible. So what you have to understand is that if you're going through the divorce or you're going through a breakup and there are any legal issues to iron out, whether it has to do with a shared home, shared children, anything like that, finances, they're going to make it hard. They're going to make it stretchy. They're going to make it last as long as possible. They will probably refuse to settle. They will almost definitely refuse to negotiate on a reasonable level, especially when you're going through the divorce part of things or, or when there are children and property involved in a breakup. You got to keep in mind, narcissists only care about winning. They don't care about who they hurt in the process. They don't see room for negotiation. And the truth is that even if you're not married and you don't have property or children together, they're still going to play games with you throughout the whole process. Can you relate to that? Let me know in the comments. Bottom line is, it can take years to heal after a relationship with a narcissist. Narcissists are incredibly lacking in empathy. They have no empathy. A couple things you can do, have a good support system in place, subscribe to this channel. These videos are free and I do a free daily video coaching session, group coaching session every morning, Monday through Friday and twice on Tuesday. Subscribe and come join us. Uh, join SPAN. You can go to queenbeing.com slash SPAN to join SPAN. It's free. It's confidential full of an amazing group of sur survivors and very well maintained. We have an amazing team of 16 admins who are on top of that stuff. So there's not a bunch of spam and there's not a bunch of crap in the group and everybody's supportive and loving. It's a great little spanily as we like to call it. Also, you can subscribe to queenbeing.com for free um, articles and resources on narcissism and narcissistic abuse recovery. And then finally, you know, connect with people in your real life have a good support system in place. If you don't have one in real life, pop on over to SPAN and join. Pop on over to my morning chats and join. You will find one and the strength that you gain there will, will help you to move forward in your real life. And the support is amazing support, my friend. 
Whatever you do, do not engage with the narcissist about anything you don't have to engage with the narcissist about after the breakup. So that means engage with them about legal issues, shared property, and children. That's about it. Only engage with them on a very professional level. Do not allow them to get under your skin emotionally. Keep it gray rock where you don't show them any emotion and you don't allow them to see anything but a straight face from you. No super happy, no sad, no angry. Because anytime you give them even this much of your emotion, they're going to take it and they're going to twist it and they're going to use it to hurt you. They enjoy it. They're like vampires sucking all of the happy energy away from you and turning it into negative mud that they want to spew all over the place. Life is just too short to allow this to be the rest of your life, my friend. None of us are getting any younger. You deserve better and that narcissist does not deserve you. You are not the crazy one here, despite what that narcissist wants you to think. So just be careful. Make sound judgments regarding the narcissist. Don't jump too fast into any decision. If they ask you for a, you know, for a, for a ruling or a decision on something, say, I'll get back to you on that. And take some time to think about it when they're not pressuring you. Don't sign anything without talking to an attorney or a trusted, knowledgeable person first. And just keep your head on straight. You will get through this. It will get better. I promise you it gets a little bit better every single day. Stay strong, my friend. I feel your pain. What is the difference between real love and narcissistic love? What is the difference between unrequited love or a regular breakup and a narcissistic discard? Well, I'm going to start out today with a question from So Biz Noor says, I would like to hear your thoughts on the specific differences between unrequited love and a discard from a narcissist. I often think all I ever have dated are narcissists, but sometimes they get in a different mindset and I'm not sure. As much as I was let on and push-pulled by the last man I was interested, sometimes I will feel totally sure that it was abuse, but then still get confused at other times. Your insight would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, Angie. All right, let's talk about it. So I think the very first thing we have to do in order to answer that question is to go ahead and talk about what a narcissistic relationship looks like. There are three main phases that people who are in relationships with toxic narcissists can expect to experience. Often, the narcissistic cycle of abuse is repeated over and over again throughout the relationship. Love bombing, the first cycle, is also known as the idealization or courtship phase. Following that is the devalue phase and then the discard phase. So here's what the devalue phase really feels like. You've been walking on eggshells for a while now, but it doesn't seem to matter to your narcissist. The narc is no longer even polite to you, much less kind. You often wonder what happened to the person who you first met. Nothing you say, do, think, or feel is acceptable and the narcissist makes sure that you know it. Everything you do elicits the same kinds of responses, anger, irritation, justified rage. If you call a narcissist on their bullshit or you prove them wrong, watch out. That is when the narcissist will go ballistic, pulling no punches, digging deep to find a way to hurt you. They'll insult you, they'll pick at your most painful psychological wounds, they'll make sure that you know that not only is it your fault, but that you deserve everything they've been dishing out. They may even say it to your face, that you're so bad, you're so lazy, fat, or otherwise unsavory that you deserve the way they have been treating you. They'll make it clear that you're not important, you're not worth their time. They will say they don't respect you and will minimize literally everything that really matters to you. Meanwhile, you teeter on a precipice somewhere between emotional numbness, deep down anger, and hope. 
You hope that this soul-crushing phase will end soon, but every time you get your hopes up for more than a minute, you're quickly brought back to reality when the narc spits their venom at you the next time. You learn to stop being as directly affected by this narcissistic abuse by finding a place to go, in your head at least. You literally zone out when the narcissist starts raging at you. If the threats and fear tactics don't work, the narcissist may shift to behaving like a victim. That's when they'll stop being actively aggressive and switch to a more passive way to manipulate you. This could involve gaslighting and a bunch of other sneaky forms of manipulation. This often leads to the silent treatment, one of the narcissist's go-to tools. They'll ignore you, withhold affection, and call you crazy for trying to fix it. In the end, the narcissist may just leave you temporarily or permanently. Or the cycle could begin again. Many narcissists go back to the courtship phase following the discard phase. You're left reeling. The first several times you experience this part of the cycle, you're going to come out feeling like you were the one who was wrong. Maybe you were expecting too much, you'll think. Maybe you were overreacting or otherwise wrong. Maybe they did have a point, you wonder. But over time, as the cycle repeats again and again and again, you find yourself doubting everything. You begin to notice that nothing ever really changes. You just continue the toxic cycle. And it's then when you've got a choice to make. Do you stick it out or not? In your head, you know that a narcissist can change their ways about as surely as a zebra can change their stripes. Highly unlikely. But your heart might be arguing with you. Because your, your heart, it finds something deep within the narcissist that is lovable. Ultimately, you get no closure. Now, we figured out, okay, this is what a narcissistic relationship looks like, right? You know the phases, you know how it works. Well, next you need to figure out what is the difference between a narcissistic relationship and a healthy relationship? Take a look. How do you tell the difference between a love bombing narcissist and a healthy love interest? Why is it so hard to tell the difference between a love bomber and someone who's actually interested in you on a healthy level? On the outside, a love bomber and a healthy person who has fallen in love might appear to be pretty similar. But there are some subtle differences that are often overlooked when we are under the spell of a new love. Statistically speaking, Nearly everyone is more willing to overlook little flaws in the beginning of a relationship and nearly everyone can find themselves being a little more careful with how they treat partners early in the relationship. And, and, and even in so-called normal relationships, as time goes on, nearly everyone finds something that used to be cute or at least tolerable about their partners to be at least remotely irritating. Nearly everyone argues and nearly everyone admits to being mean to their partner when they didn't need to be at one time or another. So what are the differences between a healthy relationship and a narcissistic one? Well, here are a few of the key differences. Number one, the insta-love factor. A narcissist will almost always proclaim love or soulmate status very early in the relationship. And this will almost always lead to insta-commitment on the narcissist's part. A healthy person is going to want to take their time and get to know you before rushing into stuff. To be fair, there are a few real-life cases of love at first sight. But being honest, those are few and far between. And if this person really is your one, well, they won't mind taking things slowly. Number two, the time factor. The narcissist might say, I just want to spend every second of every day with you. And that might happen, you know, as they roll over and stroke your face after you wake up together for the third time, just 76 hours into your first date. Or you might hear, I can't stop thinking about you. I hope you're having a good day from a healthy person texting you at lunchtime the day after you had an amazing third date. Now, when you first meet a narcissist, you can find yourself just completely and absolutely bowled over and just wowed by their level of awesome, so much so that all you feel like doing is being near him or her. And the truth is, the very same thing can happen with a healthy new love interest, too. 
The difference here is that while a healthy relationship can and often does have an infatuation phase, it also still allows you to stay involved with the other important parts of your life, your family, your work, spirituality, etc. It does not require or beg you to dump your life and your people in order to avoid missing anything. A healthy relationship encourages you to stay involved with your real life. A narcissist demands every moment. They want you to become so dependent on them so that they can become dependent on you as a source of narcissistic supply. A healthy person might want to spend every moment with you, but they will understand and support your need to continue with your regular life while you get to know one another, even if it means tagging along for family events or outings with your friends sometimes. It does not require you to stop living your own life. That, my friend, is a red flag of narcissistic behavior. Number three, the drama factor. When you're dealing with a narcissist, there are lots of red flags early in the relationship, and one of them is often a drama factor. Narcissists often shock you early in the relationship with some strangely placed little outburst or fit and one that will quickly be righted, for which they will often apologize. For example, maybe she will blow up at a waiter a little too aggressively when the food shows up cold, or maybe he will be super bitchy to a friend or relative on the phone. Question or mention the behavior, and the narcissist will explain it away by justifying their treatment of that person, such as, oh, he's owed me money for like 15 years he deserves what he gets, or she has always had it out for me. In any case, it's never the narcissist's fault. While a normal person might have a drama moment here and there, they're far more understandable and not quite so world-stopping as those experienced under the reign of a narcissist. They might break down if something major happens. They lose a job, a friend dies, their dog dies, or something else that you might feel like breaking down about. But they won't freak out if they ask you for some money to buy a soda and you don't have any change. See what I mean? The empathy factor is number four. If you're in an early relationship with a narcissist, there are little subtle things that will happen in your conversations that can tip you off if you watch for them. Simple patterns that will be evident if you know what to notice. One of the biggest is how empathetic the narcissist is capable of being. Watch what happens when someone in your life or the narcissist's life experiences pain or tragedy in their lives. See how the narcissist behaves. You can tell when someone is genuinely concerned versus when someone's being sort of polite, right? A narcissist can be a really good actor and might even be really good at follow-up questions, especially during the love bombing phase. But when things are back to normal, a narcissist will change the subject if the topic varies from something that interests them often rudely or by creating a big scene to get the attention back on themselves. If you're the one dealing with the trouble, a healthy person who's really into you is going to show genuine concern when someone you care about is hurt or goes through the hard times. And never will they make the pain about themselves or the tragedy, ever. Instead, they're going to stand by you in whatever way is appropriate at that phase in your relationship, whether that means stepping back to allow you to have time to deal with the issue or to grieve with your family, or if it literally means to stand by you while you go through it. If your partner's the one dealing with the trouble, they will be as concerned as about as much as you might be in a similar situation, and they'll want you to stand by them in whatever way is appropriate at that level in your relationship, while a narcissist will want you to feel sorry for him or her, while you baby and spoil them to help end the pain, whether it's their personal pain or not. It'll be all about the narcissist, not the person who's actually experiencing the issue. And now, what happens is, at the end of a narcissistic relationship, you get no closure, 
you're left reeling and spinning and you've got nothing. You have no idea what happens sometimes. And even if you do know what happened, you seek closure and you don't get it. And if you want closure, you're usually looking for something from the narcissist that makes it easier for you, whether it is an explanation of their behavior or an admission from them that you didn't do whatever it is that caused the breakup or some other sort of closure. You never get it. It's very frustrating. Another difference is the narcissist treats you like a thing as opposed to being a person. But you are treated during the breakup as an object or an extension of the narcissist self while a healthier person even if the breakup is nasty and bad, might actually treat you with a little bit of love and respect, or at least respect. For example, uh, someone that I'm very close with got divorced from one of her children's fathers, and surprisingly, the two of them, once they got through the yucky part, managed to become good friends. He sort of helped her out later on when her next husband passed away. He actually showed up to the funeral and put his arm around her and stood by her as her friend while she was dealing with the death of her husband. And I thought that was pretty amazing. And in the meantime, the two of them have been raising their child together all of this time with peace and love and respect. It turns out to have been a beautiful thing. A narcissist would never do that. So while you can feel devastated and alone and confused and everything else at the end of a regular relationship, you're also gonna find yourself feeling a whole different way at the end of a narcissistic relationship. I like to call it uncomfortably numb, right? Where you, you find yourself feeling completely lost. You don't even know what end is up. You don't even know who you are anymore. Well, the way they treat you is damaging. It's inhumane. It makes you not even know where you're at sometimes on a certain metaphysical level, right? The reasoning for the breakup from a narcissist is often convoluted, and if you aren't the one that did the discard, you very often find yourself feeling like you don't know what hits you. It's a roller coaster of emotions, and then suddenly you're out on your ass and you have no idea why. There are a lot of other reasons and a lot of other things that are different between a normal breakup and a narcissistic breakup or discard, but as you can see, some of the differences are kind of glaring. Say your narcissist has left you or you've decided that it's time to go. What do you do when you find yourself completely devastated by something in your life? And you don't know what to do, how you're going to get through the next few minutes. No one escapes a major life change. I know it's painful that you've lost something that you aren't entirely sure you can live without. Whether it's a job, a relationship, or something else entirely, there are things that you can and should do after you experience a major loss in your life that causes change. So what should you do? That's what we're talking about. The first thing you have to do is let go of the blame. Sometimes things just happen. Sometimes no one is to blame. And yet it's so easy for our minds to search for the answer, who's to blame? Too often we blame ourselves, especially as empaths, for making a certain decision that seemed to cause a domino effect in our relationships, right? Or we tell ourselves that maybe if we were better or different somehow, we wouldn't have made whatever mistake it was that caused the person to leave us. Or maybe we're blaming ourselves for meeting that person in the first place. We tell ourselves if we were different somehow, if we were better, if we were stronger, 
Blame and judgment serve no purpose. In fact, they really hold us back from moving forward past the pain of being discarded and destroyed by a narcissistic relationship. So the next thing you want to do, my friend, is be extra gentle with yourself. So once you let go of assigning the blame to people, it's so much easier to be nice to yourself. And that means different things to different people, of course. So how can you do this? Well, you might try to take that vacation you've been wanting to take and have been held back by the narcissist on. Or maybe you want to get a massage or spend some time with someone you care about that makes you feel comfortable. Or maybe, if you're like me, you'd rather spend a little time by yourself sometimes. Sometimes you might sleep the rest of the weekend or whatever it is. Cut yourself some slack right now. Be nice to yourself. It's allowed and encouraged, okay? Next up, allow yourself to feel things at least for a while. The last thing we want as human beings and especially as empaths is to feel sad and pain, but doing so is a really important part of our healing process, okay? So find a safe place to do that and do that whether it's at home alone or with someone you trust or even during a yoga class. Pushing away the bad feelings will only intensify how strong they are and how long they last. You've got to let yourself feel them first and then let go of them. I often suggest to people that they take anywhere from a weekend to a month, depending on the length of the relationship and the intensity of the abuse, to let the feelings flow. And then choose a date to end the morning. You know, and during that time that you choose to allow yourself to throw things and scream and break things or whatever, however you particularly mourn, then you do what you need to do, you let it all out. But when you're finished, you're finished. You feel me? The next thing you can do is ask for help. We often feel ashamed and embarrassed when chaos comes into our lives. And narcissists, they're famous for bringing chaos into our lives, aren't they? We look around and we see that not everybody else's life is perfect. But from when we're standing, when we're in a relationship with a narcissist, we're like, wow, it sure looks better on that side of the fence, right? Certainly it does. We wonder why we can't have that. The fact is, no one's life is perfect, ever. We just tend to put our best faces forward. So when you look around on Facebook and you see maybe your narcissist new supply posting photographs like, oh my god, our life is so fantastic. You know you did the same thing at some point and people don't generally post their drama on Facebook unless they're that sort of person and most empaths aren't. The fact is, it's okay to ask for help from your friends or people who love you, family members. If you feel like you need professional help to deal with the situation, that is exactly what you need and you should absolutely seek someone out for help, whether you're looking for a coach or a therapist. And I just did a video the other day on how to find a therapist to help you through narcissistic abuse. So check that out if you need to. There should be no shame in asking for help during this time. Even if you need to go to the doctor. When I got divorced, I went to the doctor and I asked for something to help me get over the hump. I was, I was struggling with depression and anxiety and all kinds of stuff. Doctor put me on Prozac for six months. It changed. It, it allowed me to slow down enough to stop focusing on what I couldn't control. It was exactly what I needed. And when I was done with it, I went to the doctor and I said, I think I'm done with it. And the doctor took me off carefully. And here I am today, very happy and Prozac free. Just remember that there's no problem with asking for help. You're not weak to ask for help. You're strong. Understand? Next up, only do what's necessary. Now is the time, if you're going through this pain, now is the time to let someone else take over for a while if that's possible. If it's something that you don't have to do or something that doesn't matter to your survival or whatever, step down. Give yourself a minute. If you're on a bunch of committees, give yourself a break from committees. If 
you're hosting a big party and you don't feel good about it, you know what? It's okay to cancel it even if the invitations have already been sent. You feel me? Just focus on today and what needs to be done and only that. You have the right to be comfortable, calm, and happy. That's all I've got for you today on Self Love Sunday. So tell me what you think. What are the first things that you would recommend somebody should do after they've been broken up with by a narcissist or discarded or divorced by a narcissist? And what would you add to this list? Share your thoughts. This is the question of the day. The question of the day is, if you're currently going through this, what were the first things you did and what do you wish you had done differently? If you've already been through it, what would you recommend for current people who are currently in this situation? For other survivors, how could you help another survivor? What would you tell your child if your child were in this situation? Let's talk about it and let's get some really good advice going in the comments below for anyone who's going through this right now, okay? Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for being a part of my day and a part of my life and hey, thanks for let me be a part of yours. It really, truly means a lot to me. I'll see you soon. It's my mission to teach others what I know to be true. You really can create the life you want. Take care of your body. Take care of your soul. Nurture the real you and introduce him or her to the world. Be comfortable in your own skin and in your place in this world. Take your spot. Take it now. And the universe will take its cue from you. You feel me? If so, subscribe to my channel. Let's get it done.